0: Morning, afternoon, evening, whatever, welcome back, digital world, it's spliced in later time. I hope you're all well, I hope you're doing great, it's time for some more movie talks about movie things, with whatever movie stuff I can find, while there's no movies to go see at the movie theatre just yet. Which is fine, there are plenty of things to go back and discuss, and I think I might have a game plan over the next few weeks or so for a few different things. It's very exciting, but I believe in a month's time, maybe, if we're lucky, we'll be headed back to the movie theatres. But for now, we'll just keep on keeping on and looking back on some other stuff and seeing what we can discuss and having a good time. Basically, just chilling out, listening to Spliced In later here. Now, what we're going to do today... We're going to take something that I didn't really run with back in the beginning of this podcast, way back in the early days. We're going to try it for a few certain episodes just to see how things progress. But I have alluded to this many, many times doing these episodes. One of the main things that kicked off the idea of doing this podcast was getting that poster. Yep, that's the poster, the one I've mentioned many times, the 100 bucket list movies. Movies you got to see before you die. Scratch off a hundred movies, get a little icon on the other side and feel a certain amount of satisfaction and joy, especially when you complete it. It was a great achievement and I loved it so much that I wish I could go back in time and do it again. Maybe one day I'll find another poster for another genre or something like that and we'll be able to do it again. But there are a lot of movies on there and they're all on there for different reasons, different genres, different plots, different actors, different twists, different turns, very big variety. And I haven't talked about many of the movies that are on that poster. I did in the beginning start off launching this podcast with a focus on a couple of them, specifically Three Idiots, where I argued about chancing movies from overseas or going into something that is not from your local country, giving that a go because there's some quality content around the world, not just in your local country or a continent or whatever and then I had a look at 12 Angry Men and we discussed the black and white films the classics the films from the 40s, 50s, 60s and given them a go because even though they might be a bit not up to the same quality of CGI or whatever that we've got going on by today's standards you can't beat a quality story heart, acting putting all you've got into a movie with the parameters that were available to you at the time both great conversations I think And they've had good results. I know of quite a few people now that have actually checked out Three Idiots and said they loved it. And even a few people have checked out 12 Angry Men. Not as many as I would have liked, but hopefully pitching it again just briefly now gets some more information back into that. But that still leaves 98 films on that poster that I haven't really discussed at all. Maybe I've alluded to them. Maybe they've been on some top tens. Who can say? But a lot of content there. So while we can't get brand new content... Why don't we go back and look at some of that old content? Basically, what I'll be doing starting with this episode, it won't be on a weekly basis, but it will be sporadically, in the same way that we do our James Bond talks, and we do our top tens of the years in certain specific films. We'll pick a movie, we'll pick something about that movie that I'll try and hint at in a broader term, probably not extensively, but enough to say, this movie comes from this type of genre, this is why it's good, this is why this movie is great and why it should be on the poster. Does that sound like a good idea? All I'm hearing is me saying yes. So I guess it is a good idea. Thank you for the vote. We'll continue on thus. Now, before we jump into today's specific ep- movie, although let's be fair, if you clicked on the link, you know what the movie is, but let's not d- dive right into it. Let's just give a brief example of where genre this movie comes from on this certain type of thing. Basically, we're going to briefly mention the dark comedy, which is something that I really appreciate in the movie world. I enjoy a dark comedy very much, but it's a very interesting genre. It's an interesting topic for a film because it requires the perfect balance. If you're unfamiliar with what a dark comedy is, basically it's deriving humor from outlandish situations, very dark situations, things which, if you came across in your normal life, you probably wouldn't laugh at specifically. You would rather, you'd be in fear. You'd run for your life. You'd be disturbed. You'd want to talk to your psychiatrist about it afterwards. Now i got to be clear moving in here. Dark comedy does not mean racism, sexism, anything that is making fun of people's race, sex, skin color, eye color, hair, personalities, anything like that. That's not a dark comedy. Some dark comedies do attempt this sort of thing but in my opinion that is low humour and in the type of world that we are trying to push forward through especially now it's not something that we want to be pushing. You may have seen a lot in the news recently of a lot of films being taken down off streaming services being edited slightly putting disclaimers on the front just to try and really update ourselves for the 21st century I think it's still the 21st century yes it is and just to be better people as it is. So Let's be clear, a dark comedy is not, ha ha, look at that person, they are from a different country than me, which means they are not as good as me, I'm going to laugh at them. No, a dark comedy would be, say, a guy goes out to his car and he's, he's got his boss coming to also get in the car, he's decided he's going to give him a lift to work. But when he opens the car door, oh no, there is a dead man inside my car. But I don't have time to dispose of the body because I have to get my boss to work. Because he said if I'm late again, I'll be fired. And also the boss is coming with me, so I can't be late to pick him up. So I better go do it. So I quickly stash the body in the boot. We then go and pick up the boss and the boss announces, I can't find my son anywhere. He's a bit of a car thief. He goes around stealing cars. He wears these specific clothes. And you go, oh, that's his son. His son is in my boot and he is dead. And then it's a bunch of shenanigans to see how are you going to get past it. Are you going to admit to the man his son is dead in your backseat? Are you going to play along? Other things might come into play. Your crazy friend might jump in the car and say, hey, did you know there was a dead body in your car recently? And then you've got to try and figure that out. It's a terrible example. It's why I don't make movies. But that's the type of scenario we're talking about here. An outlandish situation that wouldn't really happen in real life. And the comedy is sort of aghast. you laugh because you're shocked and confused. And it is funny in a uncomfortable sense to watch people go through the situations and wriggle out of certain scenarios, that sort of thing. If you want specific examples, examples that aren't me just spitballing on my own in my recording studio, which aren't good ideas, but we're going to move past it. Here are a couple examples for you. A really good one way back in the early days is Dr. Strangelove, or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Dr. Strangelove is also on the poster that we're discussing, but it is not the movie that I'm going to focus on today. Dr. Strangelove's main plot is nuclear annihilation, basically. Everybody is on the verge of blowing each other up. And the people that have to decide who is going to blow each other up are very incompetent, silly people that say silly things, come up with outlandish ideas for how to avoid nuclear Armageddon, have really calm phone conversations with the person who has launched the nucleus at them, anything like that. so silly that this type of scenario is happening and the people involved are not the people you would want to be holding your life in their hands, but they still have the same slapstick comedy that you would watch from like a Mr. Bean or a Monty Python sketch. And it just you can't help but laugh. Even when the world is collapsing and nukes are being dropped on each other, everybody just calmly sorta of goes, Well, oh well, that's that. Better go do this other thing now. Doctor Strange Love is a lot of fun and deserves more of an episode to talk about it, so I won't dive too much into it. But that is a very early example. If you want more recent examples of dark comedy, we've got Fargo, made by the Cohen brothers, where Francis McDormand has to solve a very grisly murder while at the same time there has been a kidnapping. But the people involved in the kidnapping are obnoxious, silly criminals. I mean, one is Steve Mishimi. He's one of the silliest people in the world, and also one of the disturbing, depending on what acting character he wants to play. And while you're watching this murder unfold, trying to solve the murder, trying to see if they're going to get away with the kidnapping and the ransom, you also deal with a very calm and friendly town. Yes, a body just turned up by the side of the road, but the police are like, Oh, yeah. That's very surprising. That's not something you see every day. Did you hear that Uncle Joe sold his chemist? Or something like that. Fargo relies on that sort of banter where it's just taking into account in your stride the horrific things that are happening around you. And also, with the kidnapping, the people involved do not know what they're doing. The people who has hired the kidnapper is completely in over his head. No one is particularly evil per se, Some are probably more than others. But watching everything go wrong. Nothing goes according to plan at all in Fargo. There is a very solid plan come up with at the start of the movie. None of it falls to that particular plot. What else do we have? We also have Birdman. Birdman is another great film. It's not on the poster. Birdman is an interesting dark comedy because of the subject matter that it's representing having a real-life effect on what's going on. Michael Keaton is playing a, not a disgraced actor, but a washed-up actor who hasn't done much, hasn't done anything huge or award or noteworthy in quite some time, but he is only remembered for being a superhero called Birdman in the past. And Birdman follows this actor's attempts to start up a play, to get back in recognition, to be appreciated... To make something of his life. While he's also having a psychotic break. He's seeing images of Birdman around him. He's hearing voices. He's barely holding on to his sanity. It's a dark comedy because this is a terrible thing. To watch somebody's mind splinter in front of you. To have a nervous breakdown. To be trying desperately to be received in the world and just not getting it. But it's uncomfortably funny. The people he interacts with are not real people. They're cartoons. And it also has a real-life effect on it in that Michael Keaton, of course, played Batman in 1989. And now, to be fair, when I first watched Birdman, I'd forgotten a bit about Michael Keaton. I learned after watching Birdman that he had been in the movie The Other Guys, and I didn't really recognise him. So it is a play on Michael Keaton himself having been Batman... Having not done anything particularly too noteworthy up until Birdman and trying to say, look, I'm still here. I'm a part of Hollywood. Appreciate me and my phenomenal acting skills. Because Michael Keaton is, of course, a phenomenal actor. And finally, I discussed at Christ recently, the Academy Award winner of this year, Parasite, by Bong jun ho Absolutely a dark comedy. Starts off as a regular comedy and then evolves into a dark comedy. So it's just a standard comedy. Things are playing out in a A sense that this family wants to take advantage of a richer family and ingratiate themselves into their lives. And then there's a specific twist in the movie which turns all the comedy in a much darker sense. So you're still laughing, but now you're uncomfortable on the edge of your seat. You're laughing, but you're not sure what's going to happen next and whether you will still be laughing by the end of the movie. All these movies are great. Highly recommend them all. Check them out. Now, one of my most favorite dark comedy films is the film that's on the poster and the film we're going to highlight today. It is a movie called In Bruges, directed by Martin McDonagh, who I have also realized on my research on watching films that Martin McDonagh has directed quite a few dark comedies that I think are just fantastic and are probably in my top 10 movies of any year that these movies came out. Because besides from In Bruges, he's also done Seven Psychopaths, and he quite recently did Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, which was up for an Academy Award for Best Picture when that came out. Martin McDonagh has a really interesting way with his dark comedies. His main protagonist is not a good guy at all, specifically in this and in Seven Psychopaths. It is a criminal, a killer, a murderer, a con man, a charlatan, someone like that, someone who shouldn't deserve our sympathy. And he makes them so... Downtrodden and miserable, that you do, you can't help but feel a bit bad for them. In these cases, it's normally Colin Farrell, and Colin Farrell is the star of In Bruges. He's alongside Brendan Gleason, and also in this movie is Ralph Fiennes. The essential plot of In Bruges is there is a place called Bruges, which I believe is in Belgium. I have been there. Just gonna drop that on you. I do get outside of Australia every now and then didn't plan on going to Bruges but I ended up there it is one of the most beautiful, lovely places I've ever seen. So if you have been to Bruges, that's a good reason to watch this movie just to reminisce. But Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson are mobsters, hitmen they have arrived in Bruges and they've been told by their boss they've got to hide out there because something that they went on, a mission, a job a hit, has not gone according to plan and they just need to hide out until the heat dies down. Colin Farrell is overwhelmed, doesn't want to be in Bruges. He's completely off the walls, stressed out, tense, flips out at anyone who talks to him, hates Bruges as a result, doesn't like it, wants to leave. Brendan Gleason, his partner, much calmer, able to talk to him in a nice, normal sense, adapts to what's going on around him, isn't too phased by anything that happens to him. They are complete contrast to each other. For most of In Bruges, you do not know what they did and why they're there but they do, you do know that it was not good and you also know that eventually Ralph Fiennes will come to Bruges to exact some sort of vengeance on them in some way or another so you're just waiting for that to happen In Bruges is not a very long movie but you never feel bored even by the fact that they're just hanging out in this town because Colin Farrell's going to stay under the radar and he's not doing it because he's just so stressed out at all Eventually, you start to learn a bit more about these characters. You start to understand maybe you can connect with them more. Sometimes you learn some terrible things that make you go, yeah, these are bad people. But a lot of it is just Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson sitting in different parts of Bruges arguing with each other. And it is funny, uncomfortable, hilarious, great dialogue. That's a great thing about dark comedies and indeed movies in general. If you can have great dialogue in your movie, you don't have to have action twists, suspense, you can just be completely zoned in to what these people are talking about. And when Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson are talking about themselves, their lives, past crimes they've committed, what they think of Bruges itself, you are zeroed in and you are hooked into their words completely. As I said, a dark comedy relies on outlandish situations happening, so eventually when their past catches up to them and Ralph Fiennes arrives in Bruges, ha-ha, said the name of the movie. A lot of it is them barely evading Ralph Fiennes but without them really knowing that they're doing it. They'll slip out at a point just when he's walked in. They'll talk to a citizen who will then talk to Ralph Fiennes later and their information will actually send him on the wrong direction. When they finally do start talking to each other on the phones, they start playing a game of cat and mouse with each other using the city of Bruges itself to get around and it's just hilariously entertaining and then being a dark comedy sometimes there's over the top violence that just hits you out of nowhere when the violence does kick off in bruges, it is gross it is intense it is in your face to such an extent that it's funny when you see someone smash their head on the floor you go oh you feel the hit and then it's an uncomfortable nervous laugh because you know that that must have hurt and you shouldn't be laughing but you are I guarantee you if you haven't seen In Bruges, I highly recommend it absolutely. It will be a memorable viewing experience for you. You will be uncomfortable. You will laugh. You will be intrigued. You will cheer when the violence kicks out. You'll go, ah, when the violence gets even intense. You will not be bored. Even when nothing's happening, even when it's just dialogue, you will be hooked and interested. And then when eventually the film does suddenly just end, you'll Remember where you were when you watched it and you'll want to watch it again to see if you caught anything else. I've watched In Bruges about four times now and I only saw it for the first time last year and every time it is just an entertaining ride for sure. I imagine it's my favorite dark comedy. I'm not sure. There are actually quite a few. I do really also like Seven Psychopaths by Martin McDonough. Perhaps one day I'll go into that a bit more. Suffice it, it is the same sort of dark comedy that is in In Bruges. And I think if you want to get into that first just to see if it's something you can work with, if you might enjoy it, give In Bruges a try first and then move on to Seven Psychopaths from there. Perhaps even give Three Billboards a one first as it's more available to the public having been such an Academy Award nominee. In Bruges, 10 out of 10, obviously. No chance it was going to be anything less. Highly recommend it. Can't wait to watch it again. So there we are. That's our little highlight of dark comedies and our recommendation to check out In Bruges. Apologies if you think I didn't talk too much about In Bruges. I really don't want to spoil it for anybody. It's basically just an episode that I can do is to say it's funny in a dark way. Great movie, great movie experience. you got to watch it. But it's a good place to start. Something simple from the movie poster As we'll go on and we'll do other movies, there are some big blockbustery stuff on there, which of course will get bigger discussions. There'll be some other movies where I'll have to admit that I didn't think I'd like it, and then I did. And there may be one or two movies on here that I thought I would enjoy more, but I didn't. We'll just have to go forward on this journey together when I do do another episode on this and see what else is on that poster and what we can find. Thank you very much for listening to me. As always, it has been a treat to talk to you. I love and appreciate you all. As always, check out Three Idiots. Check out 12 Angry Men. And please, check out In Bruges. But until next time, you've been spliced in later. Adios, muchachos. I'll catch you next time.